0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW group void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. On a day when we heard more troubling accounts, this time from law enforcement, of what took place during the January 6th insurrection at the U.S. Capitol, conspiracy theories about that and the 2020 election and the pandemic continue to be accepted and promoted among A minority, but still an alarmingly sizable portion of Americans. So for more on that trend, let's turn to Dr. Mark Fenster, University of Florida law professor and author of Conspiracy Theories, Secrecy and Power in American Culture, and the Transparency Fix, Secrets, Leaks, and Uncontrollable Government Information. Dr. Fenster, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to talk to us about this. Conspiracy theories have been part of American culture for a long, long time, but Things like the moon landing being faked or 9-11 being an inside job, they were considered fringe, wacky ideas. They weren't taken very seriously. But today, do you get the sense that some of these newer conspiracy theories are more normalized and more widely accepted? Uh, That's a tough
1: one to figure out. Uh, We've long had a history, as you noted, of believing conspiracy theories From top to bottom, uh, from those at the top to those at the bottom uh, of our society. And uh, uh, for example, the Kennedy assassination conspiracy theories were as widely believed as we ever had with respect to 9 11, for example, uh, and the 9 11 truth stuff that was in the mid 2000s. And probably uh, more people than uh, are QAnon. Now, you could distinguish among them, right? You could just say, well, the Kennedy assassination does seem a little bit suspicious, and it doesn't completely—it uh, hasn't been completely sealed. Uh, so, believing in conspiracy theories related to that could be different. Uh, whereas, whereas QAnon from the outside just looks totally insane, right? Uh, so th- there are distinctions among the kinds of conspiracy theories, but we have long believed conspiracy theories. The one thing that I think is really different now uh, that the internet uh, has brought into us is uh, the sort of democratization of media. The fact that you know you don't just need a soapbox in you know the the public park in order to. Uh, spout your theories or whatever you believe, you can now get online and develop an audience through social media and through other means. And so you can be seen and heard more readily uh, than it used to be the case where you had to have a pamphlet or, you know, you you were speaking to local people. Um, so that much is different. But it's hard to say whether the belief of it uh, is greater now than the, than it was previously.
0: What about the community that's been created online? Before, if you were somebody who was really into conspiracy theories, you, you might not have anybody in your personal life who felt the same way. Now there are a gazillion websites that you can go to and you can join groups on social media and, and connect with other people who believe the same thing. Does that fuel some of this too?
1: I think it does. I mean, I think that people can have access to these theories and people can distribute them so much more easily than they ever could before. But that can sometimes lead to a sort of thin belief system as opposed to if you're part of a local community of people who believe in it and your beliefs are, are, um, you know, sort of uh, reflected back at you from people who you are physically around. That can be even more powerful than you can get online. But that's in no way to undersell the amount of that stuff that goes on online, too. So I, I think the, the point that I'm trying to make is that we are living in different times and we experience them differently. Uh, But that doesn't necessarily make them completely different uh, from the times that came before uh, throughout American history, even from before the revolution.
0: The conspiracy theories that typically gain the most traction, that create the largest followings, are those the ones that often have like that smallest kernel of truth built into them? Overall, they're crazy, but there's little something in there for people to latch on to.
1: It is really hard to figure. I mean, it's a little bit like pop music where, you know, a song comes from nowhere and you're like, how is that popular when you first hear it? And then you hear it over and over again. And suddenly it's like, Oh yeah, of course that's a great song. Uh, Why shouldn't it be popular? Uh, You can never completely predict what is going to, you know, catch fire. Uh, If you took some of the elements of QAnon and raised it to people Six years ago, uh, they would they and you told them, you know, at, at some point, uh, you know, several hundred thousand, if not several million people either believe it or are willing to listen to it. Uh, they would think that you were crazy. So it's hard to it's hard to tell in advance, or hard to predict, or also hard to imagine, even after something becomes popular, why it becomes popular, and exactly how it becomes popular. Uh, I do think you're right in terms of that sort of kernel of truth, but less so in terms of truth and more so in terms of mystery. So Mm. the the, the 9-11 truth stuff comes on, not unlike with the Kennedy assassination before it, where you know, you have this really, really weird anomalous event that occurs, and you have a, uh, a you know, government commission that uh, establishes a, uh, an explanation for how things happen and the sort of failures that occurred that allowed it to happen. Uh, and, you know, parts of it seem understandable. You know, Oswald clearly was found with a rifle, for example, and, uh, you know, we know uh, individuals who claimed responsibility for 9 Uh, but it seems like the explanation that, uh, is brought to bear, uh, by authoritative figures doesn't always, you know, match the extent of the trauma that that event creates. Uh, it's a little harder to explain QAnon in that regard. and, you know, I think we're going to be struggling for the next 20 years to try to explain exactly at this moment in which QAnon arose. Uh, but it didn't hurt that you had a president who was not necessarily a conspiracy theorist himself, but who was more than happy to broadcast and rebroadcast conspiracy theories that right. served his particular interests. Uh, and so I think that had something uh, that had something to do with uh, QAnon and, and some of the other conspiracy theories surrounding uh um, Uh, surrounding the Trump administration and his supporters.
0: Well, I wonder if the more analogous conspiracy theory, the more recent one would be the 2020 election, because, you know, there are instances of fraud and things were done a bit differently because of the pandemic. Now, that doesn't mean uh, that the election was stolen and and all of those uh, allegations are true, but you could see where people could head down that road.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I mean, every election... The, the fact that we have elections, <laughs> the fact with so many millions of people voting pres- at the presidential level, uh, and we have the you know peaceful passing of powers we've had for you know two hundred uh, uh, well something else has to do the about two hundred thirty years, two hundred forty years, uh, the uh, is is remarkable in and of itself, I and mean, it makes us uh, unique presently uh, in our ability to uh, to engage in this electoral process. And, you know, we don't, we don't have to look that far back, uh, in the state of Florida and, uh, the 2000 election to see all kinds of weird stuff that was going on. Uh, not necessarily fraudulent, but just in the tabulation I and mean, then the fact that, you know, if you tabulated one way, you might get one, res- one result. And if you tabulated another way, you get another result and how to deal with hanging chads and things like that. So, uh, uh, elections are weird things. And absolutely, you can look at them and look at them closely, particularly as you go down to individual states, and then down to individual localities within those states, and then down to individual polling places within those localities. And, you know, it's an amazing thing that we have these elections uh, that work, but inevitably, there are anomalies that arise. Uh, And I agree with you, I don't think there's enough to, uh, to challenge the result of the uh, of the 2020 election, but you can understand why, particularly if the uh, if the losing candidate is really unwilling to concede yeah. his loss, why it is that that then germinates all these conspiracy theories, and you know the the quote recount unquote in Arizona, or the examination of ballots out in Arizona,
0: and the like. And then what I found with that example in particular was that. When people don't understand a process, and look, most Americans aren't well-versed in how elections actually work and the checks and balances and the safeguards and, and all those kinds of things, and, and I guess you could broaden this out to a lot of conspiracy theories. How much does that play into people believing in them when they don't really understand the issue at play?
1: Yeah, I think uh, that's a really good point. And one thing to think about is that many of the people who would argue of the existence of conspiracy theories, and this could be on the left or the right, it's not any particular conspiracy theory or any particular group of people, uh, have these sort of competing understandings of government. They they often complain about government, about the extent to which government is incompetent. There's too much red tape. Things never get done the way they should be done. Uh, people lie. People cheat. Uh, but they do so in a in a sort of corrupt way. Uh, so they hold that belief, but at the same time, if they believe in a conspiracy theory, they believe in a government that is unbelievably competent, that is not only right. uh, able to control <laughs> yes. all of these uh, control all of these enormous sets of uh, uh, bureaucratic machinery, but do so in a way uh, uh, that is effective and also that can keep secret the fact that they control them. Uh, which is you know, hard to imagine both of those things being true. You know, you've either got this unbelievably competent you know, super elite or you've got this unbelievably incompetent uh, bureaucratic machinery. You can't really have it both ways.
0: I'm joined by Dr. Mark Fenster, University of Florida law professor and author of Conspiracy Theories, Secrecy and Power in American Culture and The Transparency Fix, Secrets, Leaks and Uncontrollable Government Information how much has a loss of faith and a loss of trust in so many key institutions, the media, governments, uh, even science at this point, how much does that fuel the fire as well? And, and we've seen distrust in, in these key institutions uh, take an even bigger hit in recent years.
1: I, I think that's right. I, mean, I think you, what you have is uh, the, the trust that people are willing to give is, has al- is always contingent. You know, I'm only going to trust you to the extent that you're trustworthy, uh, to the extent that I know you, or that I trust that the, the the things that you claim are based upon, things that are right, and the conclusions that you're drawing are based upon, you know, knowledge that you have and that you've developed, whether it's scientific or political or, or whatever it is. And I think what we... Uh, rather than saying that it's distrust, it is you know, it's a sort of partisan trust, although it doesn't always break down in left and right. I mean, the anti-vax movement, for example, yeah. was was frankly stronger on the left or with people who might be allied demographically with the left than with the right prior to uh, prior to what we have now um, uh, with the uh, uh, with the anti-COVID uh, vaccine. stuff. Uh, so I think one of the things that happens is that people choose who it is that they trust. And what we don't have is a universal trust uh, in governmental authority, media authority, other things like that. Instead, people will trust the the leaders of the parties to which they belong, uh, and they are only willing to feed trust to the other side in a slow pattern in which it is proven that the trust that they've had in the people that they had initially invested in uh, was misplaced. So, I mean, I think one of the interesting things that will happen uh, with our uh, with the current state of the Delta variant and the fact that you know the hospitals are not filling up, but they're they're growing in number with people who are not vaccinated. Uh, whether those people who were not vaccinated and were not vaccinated because they trusted in those news sources and experts who told them that they shouldn't take the vaccine. Whether their experience, either personally themselves or with family members or friends, might lead them to say, hmm, I might have been trusting the wrong people. Uh, and perhaps I should, at least in this instance, sort of shift a little bit over uh, and begin to trust the science and the medical experts who are telling me that the vaccine are safe. Uh, and, you know, even if they're not sick, they're certainly safer than going unvaccinated. Uh, and I think. You know, that is a slow process. I mean, that has been a frustration for public health experts that they have been unable to reach, you know, a good 40 to 50 percent of the public in some states uh, to get them to take the vaccine. Um, but, you know, it's worth thinking about just how radical this vaccine process has been. Uh, it's unbelievably fast how we've gone through, uh, through, you know, a couple of waves of COVID. And then there's a vaccine that is, you know, apparently quite effective. Uh, and uh, quite safe. Uh, and that's a major cognitive shift that people have to take if they have distrusted the government, if they have distrusted what they've heard from experts uh, regarding the vaccine. Uh, so, I mean, I want to give folks the due of, you know, being open-minded and being willing to say, even if they might be slower than, you know, someone like me was who signed up as soon as I could get access to the vaccine, uh, at least they're recognizing in a moment in which it's really hard, we are really, you know, in sort of this partisan uh, uh, fight uh, to concede that, you know, well, maybe on this one I'm wrong. Uh, And so, you know, that would be the hope. Uh, And that would be the hope for all kinds of things, whether it's, you know, belief in QAnon or uh, when when things that are predicted don't happen and other things like that.
0: Do other countries have this same conspiratorial nature, or is this something that has a higher prevalence in the u s
1: If we have a higher prevalence, it's only marginally higher and it comes and goes uh, uh, other countries are absolutely filled with all manner of conspiracy theories uh, uh you know the Middle East is racked by sure. conspiracy theories that are uh, that are of uh, you know, ethnic and religious uh, nature, but also political. Uh, Western Europe has had waves of conspiracy theories. Uh, we are not unique in this regard. Uh, we didn't start it. I mean, a lot of the conspiracy theories that we began with in the 18th and 19th century were imported from Europe. Uh, and nor are we unique in uh, in the way in which we, uh, we engage in it. Uh, you know, I mean, I think things do come in waves uh, because of globalization of all manner of things. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, the the waves are getting tighter in terms of the different countries uh, and the extent to which they believe in conspiracy theories, but um, we are not unique.
0: I'm joined right now by Dr. Mark Fenster, University of Florida law professor and author of Conspiracy Theories, Secrecy and Power in American Culture, and The Transparency Fix, Secrets, Leaks, and Uncontrollable Government Information. For me, one of the key questions that I find fascinating is why people seem to want to believe these conspiracy theories, why they get so invested in them, even if an abundance of evidence disproves them. Any idea why that's the case?
1: Well, the the answer that I'd give starts with not they, but with we. I mean, we all like conspiracy theories of some sort or another. Uh, you know, I love The X-Files, and it was on the air. <laughs> uh, and I love all kinds of movies that have conspiracy theories. Uh, I was a big fan of Twenty Four.
0: Yeah, that had you know yeah. big conspiracy. Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
1: So and uh, so, let's start with a recognition that, that conspiracy theories are popular and they're and they're fun. Uh, they drive narratives. Uh, they they you know uh, identify a hero usually and a bad guy usually, and that that is always a driver of, uh, of dramatic narrative. So start with there, uh, then move out a little bit and say a lot of politics. Has conspiracy theories embedded within it. Uh, any race that you're running that is contested, uh, if you are a Democrat, you're going to identify particular, you know, individuals and groups that are bad individuals and groups, and make the argument that if those folks win, all this parade of terrible things will happen. And behind those folks are these sort of, you know, if not evil, at least really bad, corrupt. Yeah individuals. Uh, And, you know, if you're a Republican, you're going to say the same thing about with, with, you know, different players and different issues and other things like that. But you're going to make that argument, too. And that is part of democratic contests. I mean, we that that is the way in which uh, political arguments get formulated. They are not necessarily conspiracy theories. They're often just sort of populist arguments about, well, we can't let, you know, the big corporations win or we can't let the, you know, the fill in the blank uh, of uh the 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 groups and issues that Republicans are concerned about at a at a particular moment. Uh so um uh so they're they're not necessarily conspiracy theories, but they sound like them and you just sort of amp them up a bit. Uh and sometimes you amp them up a lot uh to the point at which you know you have aliens or you have uh you have you know blood uh consuming um uh super elites. Uh and then it becomes you know entirely unbelievable. Uh, for those people who aren't bought into the theory. Uh, and then it becomes really more of a day than a week. Uh, but I think seeing that the fact that it's not a uh, it's not like a binary, like you're either crazy or you're not crazy. It's it's a sort of continuum in which different types of belief become more and more disconnected. Uh, from reality and more and more heightened in terms of the drama that they are uh, that they are uh, claiming, uh, and then you've got issues uh, uh, you know that become either individual where you get an individual who you know drives to D.C. and goes to the uh, goes to the pizza place yeah. and shoots it up, or right. or or thinks he's going to shoot him up, shoot it up, and he gets stopped before doing that, and then you've got you know larger. Issues of, of, uh, groups of people and large groups of people who, uh, will, you know, storm the capital or will do other things, uh, that become much more threatening, uh, to, uh, to, you know, the, the, uh, to the government and to, to sort of civil order. Uh, and, you know, in terms of then taking that as a framework for thinking about it, uh, then the question is, well, why do some people go so far, uh, and some people don't? And that's a really complicated question of individual psychology and social psychology of why it is that people get more interested in it. And it's going to be a range of issues relating to the people that they hang out with, the the sort of trajectory of their lives, uh, other things like that, that lead them uh, down that pathway.
0: Well, and that leads me to my final question. Do you think our conspiratorial tendencies in this country are becoming more and more dangerous?
1: Well, that's a, that's a hard question. Uh, It, uh It's hard to predict the future uh i mean i you know I, I was uh being interviewed before the 2016 election about the conspiracy theories that were revolving around uh uh, uh Donald Trump at the time and you know I thought as did many others that he wasn't going to win, so it would just be you know the the last sort of guess with this would be w- whether he's willing to concede the election. And you know, I'm no better a, a predictor of politics than anyone else, apparently. Uh and so I I don't know. I mean, I I had thought that, you know, we were sort of on a course correction, but the uh uh from the the, the sort of maelstrom of conspiracy theories, putting aside uh the Trump administration and what it accomplished uh politically, but just the, the sort of maelstrom of conspiracy theories and uh, you know, we're not there yet and I don't yeah. know what it will take. Uh, and you know, let's be clear too that, that it was a crazy time. I mean, it's, uh, the, uh, all of the, theories surrounding the extent to which Donald Trump was merely a puppet of Vladimir Putin and the like uh, where there were also as it turns out you know kind of conspiracy theories right. there's been no yep. real proof of that and those were conspiracy theories that were held by people in the you know somewhat on the left but but really in the center i mean this was this was the the the, the mass media that was articulating these arguments not not you know universally but a lot of people were going way beyond their skis in terms of leaning into that Uh, and so, you know, it could be that we were, we just happened to have been in a moment for, you know, a five to 10 year period that, uh, was particularly weird when it came to conspiracy theories. Uh, and it, you know, it didn't help that we had a candidate and then a president and then perhaps a candidate again, uh, who enjoyed, you know, broadcasting these things. Uh, and it's possible once he... You know, either doesn't run or if he runs and loses uh, uh, loses again in 2024, then things might calm down some. Uh, but I don't know. You know, I, I mean, the one thing that we can take in uh, with some degree of comfort, I think, is that uh, 15 years ago, the big conspiracy theory was nine eleven. 11 uh yeah. and we don't really hear about that that much. I mean, there have been some reverberations. Alex Jones from InfoWars sort of cut he didn't cut his teeth on it, but he really found a larger audience as a result of his uh working the nine eleven uh uh the nine eleven conspiracy beat. Uh so it's not as though, you know, it's completely gone away or people have forgotten about it, but it's just not in the news the way it was. Uh and you know things just have a tendency to pass. And so uh, I think that's all we can hope for. That it it might not. Uh it, and, you know, when I say it passes, it's not going to disappear. Sure. Uh, it's just you're not going to be calling me <laughs> to,
0: to come in and to, to talk about conspiracy
1: theories quite so much.
0: Dr. Mark uh, Fenster, all. University of Florida law professor and author of Conspiracy Theories, Secrecy and Power in American Culture and the Transparency Fix, Secrets, Leaks and Uncontrollable Government Information. Dr. Fenster, a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for taking the time to step through all of that with us. We appreciate it.